0: Hey, friend, I hope your week is going well. Um, we had a really huge snowstorm in Wyoming last week. On Monday, it was so bad that they closed the city of Casper. The police department put out on Facebook that they weren't going to respond to accidents unless they were life and death. They closed the schools. And here, this is a place where kids walk to school in snowstorms. So if you had a snowstorm bad enough to shut down the city of Casper, Wyoming, you know it was a legit storm. So it's been kind of a a weird weather week, but things are better now. It looks good, and we're going to have a great week coming up, and I hope you are too. But listen, over the past week, Lisa and I heard about three different situations that just didn't make any sense. Now, we're, we're used to talking about hard things on this podcast. Obviously, my my book and, and my ministry, my writing is all kind of focused around you know hard things that people experience in their life and how we can land on our feet and find faith and hold on to hope no matter what's going on that um and if i'd sat down and decided to create a career as a writer i don 't think I would have decided to focus on hard things, but it's just the way life plays out, and so you know good writers are supposed to write what they know. My editor, Dave Lambert said. You know, writing is like opening a vein. Like you're supposed to bleed, and people are supposed to feel what's true when you write. And so, you know, it's just the the fact is that my whole deal as a writer has kind of focused around finding hope and holding on to hope, even when life proves to be hard or difficult. But even saying that, there are some things that you hear about, some things that you experience, or or learn about that other people are going through. That are just senseless they're they're harder than normal things they're more unusual they're they're less uh less things that are common to the human experience, and they just seem senseless so when things seem impossible to wrap your brain around, it leaves a lot of questions um here's some examples a, a guy that I knew when I was a kid this week. my mom told me a story um that this man who's an elderly man now was walking his dog, and a, a pack of a neighbor's unruly dogs came and, and basically attacked this guy's dog, and in the process of trying to fend these dogs off, they killed him. So a, basically a, an elderly man was sort of brutally killed by a bunch of, of dogs, and that's just senseless. That's a thing that you can't put your brain around. That family is, is left reeling where they're you know they're gentle, godly, Patriarch of their family is is gone in such a terrible way, and you end up in this big situation where you're saying, "Why, you know, God, why does something like that happen?" And there was a young man that I heard about this week that, basically, just getting started in his life in his career, and he just had a, a stupid accident with a gun. He was cleaning a gun, had some oil on his hand, and he dropped it. It didn't didn't realize somebody hadn't cleared it, and, and it it shot him, and he had a, a terrible injury that's going to be disfiguring and require a bunch of surgeries and rehab and maybe some prosthetics involved. And and he's going to have a long list of questions in his life about where he's going and what he thought he knew and you know, what his life's going to look like now because what he thought isn't turning out to be true after this really senseless, just crazy, wild accident that nobody could have predicted. And then there's a couple people we really love. Lisa and I really love these people, and they're strong amazing people and they they were expecting a baby and, and everything was going great and the baby came and then they found out that their newborn has a rare genetic problem that's going to require really big time alterations of how the baby and this family will have to live for the rest of their lives. This This particular genetic syndrome is going to change things for them forever and it won't go away. People often ask me, What's it like to work around people that are in pain all the time? And honestly, it's hard, but most of it is comprehensible in some way. You know, we all generally understand that humans face disease and people get cancer. And and when you engage in certain behaviors, you increase your odds of experiencing trauma. We all get that intellectually, right? So if your Uncle Louie has smoked four packs a day for 40 years, and then he calls to tell you that he's got lung cancer, it's sad, but it's not surprising. It's not random. It's not senseless. You don't generally rail and rage against God when something happens that you can put a causation to, right, That that's something that you can sort of understand. And I found this place of just trying to be a good doctor for people when they're having a hard time. When I can't fix something or save a life, I just still try to be a good doctor. And when we can't solve the medical problem, at least I know... That I do everything I can to still be a good doctor. So if my medicine or my surgery can't help, I try to help people in other ways. And that really, honestly, that's what my book I've seen the interviews about. It's about me learning how to doctor people, even myself, when the problem isn't fixable, how to give hope when things are hard and seem impossible. But this week, three different situations, we just saw something a little bit different. Because it's so much harder to find hope or offer help when the thing that's happening is way off to one end of the bell curve of human experience. When an adult, like I said before, when an, an adult gets lung cancer because they smoked, everybody's sad, but nobody's really surprised. But when an old man is walking his dog and he's brutally killed, everybody's shocked and everybody is saying, God, why does that stuff happen? And that gives opportunity for the atheists out there, if you're one of those folks. This is when you tell us, see, I told you, if there really was a loving God, that sort of thing wouldn't, couldn't happen. And you know, sometimes I'm inclined to agree with you there. And when a good young man does everything right and then just loses his grip on the gun and ends up disabled and wondering where his life is going, nobody understands that. When an innocent newborn has to face a lifelong illness, when an excited mom and dad you know, have, have prayerfully approached this delivery, and then they have to hear that their new baby has a disease that threatens the brain development, that threatens the child's cognitive function, and then that problem is never going to go away. Nobody understands that. So this episode is not going to dive deeper into those three stories. That they, they need to be left where they are, and you just need to pray for those folks. And Lisa and I want you to. We're praying for them, and I want you to as well. But today we're not going to talk about those particular stories. Today, we're going to look at the idea of how to make sense out of senseless things. Listen, life is hard, and it's beautiful, and the people who lose so much hope that they focus on the hard and lose sight of the beautiful are the ones who have a really hard time making it through. These are the people that struggle with addiction, with behaviors that offer short-term solutions but ultimately make the problem worse, or those who end up quitting on life altogether when it just becomes impossible for them. To see a way forward. But I'm here as a bereaved father, as a war veteran, as a doctor who lives in the world of other people's pain every day to tell you that it is possible to keep going. So, how do we make sense out of senseless things? How do we get back up when life knocks us so far down? That is where we're going today. Now, I told you three really hard stories, but in a second, I'm going to start the music, and it's really peppy and upbeat, and it seems strange to me. Every time I do this, when we're talking about something hard, it seems strange that I'm going to push that button in a minute, and you're going to hear Poddington Bear's little bluesy tune that I love so much. It seems strange to play that happy music in the context of someone being brutally killed by dogs or a tragic and life-altering accident or a baby with a genetic disorder. But that's one of the keys, I think, and how you manage hard things in life. People that can get back up, people that can find the light, people that find the strength to move forward or find hope again or hold on to their faith, they're the ones who somehow can keep hearing the music in their lives. They can keep finding a way to suffer but still smile at the other beauty that's around them. And that is what I hope we'll be able to get to today. Listen, we're going to talk through some hard things today. But we're going to learn how to still smile. We're going to learn how to make sense out of senselessness and how to hear life's beautiful music, even when part of the soundtrack is devastating and dark. We're going to learn to keep going. And we're going to start today. Hey, I'm so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Wyoming in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa Warren. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and we're here to help you learn the art of self brain surgery to get that done. You can get the show notes and more on my website at WLeeWarrenMD. Com. And if you like the show, please, please take a moment to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And also rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts because that helps the show get higher rankings and helps new people find out about it. Since I launched the show on November 1st, it's doubled almost every month. We had our best month ever last month, and we were listened to in all 50 states and 46 other countries around the world, including for the first time yesterday downloads in the great country of Bolivia. So if you're listening in Bolivia, welcome aboard. We're glad to have you. Listen, take a minute and share the show with somebody else if you wouldn't mind that will really help people. Discover it and spread the message that you learn how to change your mind and that will help you change your life. This is episode number 16 of the Dr. Lee Warren podcast, Making Sense Out of Senseless Things. So let's get after it. Hey, before we get started today, I want to send a shout out to our friends down in Brazil. We're getting a lot of podcast downloads for some reason in South America, but the leading country in South America that's listening to the show more than anywhere else is in Brazil. And I've been getting a ton of new newsletter subscribers, emails in Portuguese, and social media contacts from folks down in Brazil about my new book. So Lisa and I would just love to send a signed copy of I've Seen the End of You, we'll both sign it, to the first listener who emails me to say that they want it who lives in Brazil. Just email us your name. At, my email address is lee at drleewarren.com, lee at dot com. Email us your name and mailing address and how you want us to sign your book, and we will make it happen. Welcome all our friends in Brazil. Okay, Today, I'm going to get serious with you here again. I just had a moment with my headphones. They're driving me nuts today. Do you ever have one of those minutes where your glasses or something is just itching you or driving you crazy? So if you hear a little noise, it's because I'm adjusting everything because my, it feels like my whole head is itching today. So sorry about that. But we're going to get back to the show now, and we're going to talk today about how to make sense out of senselessness. How do we make sense when the thing that's happening Doesn't make sense. How do we deal and make sense out of senseless things? Now, I read a really interesting and good article in the Christian Examiner about this. The writer made a great point that exactly lines up with my experience, especially after losing his son. And she's mostly talking about when people die, but the points hold whatever your situation is. And I just want to share some thoughts from Dr. Carla Cornelius from this article in the Christian Examiner, and I'll put the link in the show notes so you can find it and read it yourself. And it's really useful. It's a good article. Again, some of the things that she writes about are more related to when when tragic events occur and people die, but they will apply to any sort of senselessness that you're facing. And I'm going to read you right now some quotes from that article. Okay, here she goes. The following reminders are a cold comfort to the grief-stricken who have lost loved ones in such tragedies. But it's worth swallowing these bitter pills, nonetheless, in the hope that they will do some good down the track. God's gift of free will is often used for evil. God does not always intervene to stop tragedies from occurring. He made us like Himself to be masters over all life, Genesis 1.26, but we lack the basic goodness of God to always act in our own best interest and the best interest of others. Okay, this is Lee again. Her point here is that during and for a while after tragic things happen, theology lessons aren't very helpful. Christian platitudes are not very helpful. So when you're initially dealing with something, that's not the time to start throwing around um, theology and deep, deep understanding of the longevity of life and an internal perspective and all that. That stuff is super important. But in the immediate aftermath of trouble, it's not very helpful. But we do benefit from knowing these things. So it's worth talking about today because later they become comforting. I've discussed a lot recently in these interviews I've been doing about how Romans 8.28's promise that God can work everything for good came true for us in the years following losing our son Mitchell. So it's useful to know and keep an internal perspective on things because that's really one of the only ways to make sense out of the hard parts of life when nothing else does make sense. So perspective is what's important. And Dr. Cornelius goes on, The end of mortal life is not the end. This person lives on in the afterlife. Ecclesiastes 12.7 states, The Spirit will return to God who gave it. As much as we love people, it is helpful to remember that they don't really belong to us, but are simply on loan for a time. Sometimes the time is abruptly cut short, leaving the survivors with a lifetime of regret and resentment over what could have been. God did not create us, such that other created beings have the power to control our long-term fate. He is the only one who decides our ultimate fate, and as such he exhorts us. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God, who can destroy your body and soul in hell, Matthew 10.28. Life is short, so we must make the best of time and relationships. The knee-jerk tendency after experiencing or reading about a tragedy is to recoil in horror and become distrustful of life. But rather this is the time to take stock of your life and determine what's really important, then to pursue those priorities for all their worth. The prophet Isaiah draws a reference point from a common feature of our natural habitat. People are like the grass that dies away. Their beauty fades as quickly as the beauty of flowers in a field. The grass withers, and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord, and so it is with people. Isaiah forty six through seven. This is Lee again. I've made the point before that we somehow convince ourselves that we should be the judge of what's fair, that we should decide how long people should live and what we should have to tolerate. Dr. Cornelius concludes with this. There is a judgment day which awaits us all. Many criminals may appear to get away with their crimes on earth, but in heavenly court, judgment will be unavoidable and justice will prevail. The stark warning is clear. Nothing in all creation can hide from him. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. This is the God to whom we must explain all that we have done, Hebrews 4.13. Indeed, the aphorism, justice delayed is not justice denied, rings true for all time. In this dispensation of time, we will witness many terrible tragedies and we will wrestle time and time again to make sense of them. Like King David, we can choose to make our appeal to His trustworthy and merciful character and trust that justice will ultimately prevail, Dr. Carla Cornelius, the Christian examiner. Okay, so there's all that information and comforting bits of Scripture and eternal perspective that will filter into your heart and help you later, after the initial shock of whatever you're going through. I wanted to share it because it does help. So if you have some senseless thing that happens in your life later, after it settles down a little bit, after you're moving on and you need some eternal perspective, that information that I just shared is useful. But today, I'm more interested in the immediate, the more pressing, the more acute parts of how we handle things when they happen and they just don't make any sense. But before we go any further, here's this week's thing that will help. John Bevere is one of my favorite writers. He's written a lot of books that have been helpful to me and his wife, Lisa Bevere. Both of them have, Lisa and I have read many of their books and they're very helpful. But one of his books, Good or God, Why Good Without God Isn't Enough, is, in my opinion, probably his best book that he's written. Listen, we're all trying to get through life as best we can. And most of us think we're basically good people. But the hard truth is this. Jesus didn't call us to be good. He called us to be holy. He called us to become more like him, to be different, to be godly and live holy lives. And God's best for our lives doesn't always line up with what we or the world thinks is just good. Hear me out, friend. God wants your whole heart. He wants to transform you and change you into someone who looks more like Jesus because that is good for you. This book, Good or God, it's not an easy book. It's hard in places. It will challenge you. It will call you to a higher standard. But like all things with God— When we trust Him and follow Him, we get more out of it than we think we will. Good or God will challenge your thinking on what's good for your life. It's transformative. And for me, it's right up there with Not God Enough by J.D. Greer, with books that bent my brain and shaped my heart. And that, my friend, is this week's thing that helps. Okay, I talked about John Bevere's book for a reason. This episode is about how we make sense... Out of senseless things. And the answer to that is complicated. And honestly, I'm still trying to figure it out. But I have, unfortunately, a lot of experience with senseless things in my personal and professional lives. So I'm going to try to share with you what I know. And the best thing that I've learned is something I learned from a patient, a man that I called Rupert Chang in my book, I've Seen the End of You. Rupert Chang encountered a brain tumor called gliomatosis It's a form of glioblastoma, and basically his entire brain turned into cancer at the same time. And I had to do a biopsy, and we had a long conversation before it, and he decided to go through the surgery, and his beautiful wife Grace and their lovely family all gathered together, and we prayed together before the surgery, and he had a simple little biopsy procedure. But his brain was so diseased, and the arteries in his brain were so destroyed that he started bleeding from the biopsy and ultimately had a big-time stroke from which he never recovered. And he died just a few days after surgery. And it turned out on the autopsy that his entire brain was malignant. Pretty much every cell in this man's head was cancer, and he probably had less than a month to live anyway. But it turned out that Rupert had written his family a letter. And in that letter, he told them that he was praying that God would take him out and not make him experience any of the hard parts of living with cancer if he couldn't be neurologically normal, or if his long-term prognosis was really terminal, that God would just take him back to heaven now. And this is a man that had a story that he had been telling of other, telling other people for his whole life of what he believed. And when he encountered something really hard, it proved to be true. He actually believed what he said he believed, and he actually lived out and took the steps to show other people, and, and, and his family, and me, and everybody that took care of him, that he really meant it when he said he had faith, that he really meant it when he said he believed that the the life coming to him as a believer was better than the life he had now. Rupert Chang lived out a story that life's not about the events that occur, But about how we respond and react and grow and change through those events, and about the fact that we are really who we say we are. And so, Rupert's story for me was about asking God to help, learning to ask God not to take the thing from me. It's okay to ask that. But when he says no, then I'm supposed to learn how to ask God to help me better respond, grow, and change to these challenges that life brings along. Now, this this boy that I told you about that had an accident with a firearm, I I wrote him a letter. His parents asked if I would reach out to him, and I did. I wrote him a letter. I haven't heard back from him yet, but I'm, I'm confident that I will at some point. And I just want to share a little bit of the letter that I wrote him, because he's in this place where he just recently went through something that, from his perspective, is completely senseless. It doesn't there's no way to understand it. It's changed the arc of the future of his life forever, and it won't get better. Like the, the, the problem that he had, the injury, will not get back to normal at some point. And so I just want to share a little bit of the letter that I wrote him, and by means of helping you today, get a, getting a perspective on how to handle senseless things, here's what I said to this young man. I came home from the Iraq War a different person. I went through a divorce, I got out of the military, and I moved from Texas to Alabama to be closer to my kids, and I was broken and alone. I was traumatized, and I didn't know what the rest of my life would look like. I bet you're feeling a lot of those things right now, too. This letter isn't intended to try to make sense of your accident or tell you some easy thing like it's going to be okay. No, your immediate future includes some hard things, surgeries, rehab prosthetics, figuring out what your life will look like in the coming years. No, I'm writing mostly to tell you three things that I know to be true based on my experience and to hope that these things will be beneficial to you. First, often the things that we see as roadblocks turn out to be gates. It takes some work to open them to climb over them, or get through them. But the road that lies beyond is almost always worth taking, and it leads us to places we never thought we'd see. For me, after the war and my divorce, I married a woman named Lisa, who turned out to be the perfect friend and partner for my life. We married, we blended our families, and Lisa's love and encouragement led me to writing, to healing, and learning to live as the man I was made to be. I have no doubt that had I not met Lisa... I would never have survived the years after the war. I was suffering. I was lonely, depressed, and terrified, and she helped me see the light again. But I would never have found her if I hadn't been through the hard stuff first. Secondly, God gave us a promise in Psalm 144.1 that has been extremely helpful to me and has proven over and over to be exactly true. The verse says, Praise be to the Lord my rock. "'Trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. "'I realized when I was in Iraq "'that my surgical training had not prepared me "'for the horrors that I would face. "'Being mortared and rocketed while doing surgery "'on blown up and burned babies and young soldiers.' But somehow, I was able to perform under pressure. I never freaked out. I didn't go insane during it all. In every moment, it proved true that God had indeed prepared my hands for war. And in all the events I've been through since, my hands, if you will, my mind, my heart, my thinking, and often my actual hands, have always been ready. And I have absolutely no doubt that God can prepare you, even learning to use a prosthetic limb, even your mind and the fear, the frustration, the anger and doubt you must be feeling right now. I have no doubt that God has prepared you for that moment. But thirdly, and most importantly, losing this part of your body, going through this trauma is not likely to be the hardest thing you will face in your life. I thought war and divorce would be the worst things I would ever encounter. But a few years later, Lisa and I lost our son, Mitch, who died when he was only 19. This letter isn't to tell you that I understand what you're going through, because I've been through stuff too. No, it's not that. I'm writing this part to say that what you're going through now will strengthen you. It will prepare you to better handle whatever else comes along in your life once you get through this gate. If I hadn't been to war, if I hadn't been through the gate of divorce and onto the road beyond, I would not have met Lisa, and she wouldn't have helped me heal from PTSD and overcome those demons from Iraq, and then she wouldn't have been there when Mitch died. And I know with no doubt that I could not have survived losing my son if I hadn't been through all those previous trials and if I hadn't had Lisa at my side. So I'll just hopefully encourage you with these words. What you're going through now, if you steer into it, trust God and your loving family and your own strength and resolve can turn out to prepare you to withstand anything else that comes along later. And it can be redeemed in a way that will help other people and encourage them as they hear the story of how you withstood the test, found your purpose, and honored God through the process. Now, I wrote a lot more in that letter. But the last part is what I wanted to share with you. Listen, friend, whatever you're going through, no matter how senseless and seemingly impossible it might be, it is not impossible. And it might not even be the hardest thing you ever face in your life, but it will be the worst thing unless you steer into it, unless you line up against it and see it for what it is. It is an opportunity to either collapse under its weight and give up and die on the field, or to stand up to it and let it become part of your story like Rupert Chang did and overcome it with God's help. The only way, my friend, to make sense out of senseless things, the only way to redeem them is to grow from them, learn from them, at least learn more of who you are and how faithful God is, how strong your family can become because you got through this time together. That's all I know. I know you can do it because He's prepared your hands for it. And that's a promise. So I'm talking to you, to the family that has to band together with their newborn to face a lifelong illness. Listen, we, your friends and the world, we need to see the inspiring story of how it made your marriage stronger, of how it made you smarter and more committed to God's plan for you. To the families who lost people or to those who have been through horrible traumas, we need to see you overcome that, to see you prove out God's promises, and to see your story teach us what to do when we're the ones suffering some senseless thing. Listen, friend, you might not currently be going through something that doesn't make any sense, but you probably will at some point in your life. And I just want to use this episode, this time we have together today, to give you some tools and some inspiration to know, number one, it n- doesn't have to be a roadblock in your life. It doesn't have to be the cliff that you fall off of and never get back. As long as you have breath, whatever you're going through can be something that can turn out to lift you up and give you an opportunity to grow and change and refine your story as something as someone who withstood a great trial. And that can then in turn be used to help and inspire and uplift others. It's not helpful in the short term to tell someone when they're going through something hard that, that they can use it to help other people. That It's not the time for that. So don't hear me saying today that, oh, just shrug it off and use it to help other people. I'm not saying that. And I, I, I couldn't have heard that as being helpful to me. I could not have heard it in the first six months after losing my son. If somebody had said, oh, just turn it around and use it to help other people, I couldn't have accepted that right then. But I'm here to tell you that you will, you can and you will survive it if you stand up to it and face into it and let God help you have the strength to get through it. You will. And over time, the way to redeem that senseless thing is to let it inspire other people through your story of how you made it through. Again, a family who's dealing with this newborn that's got the problem, we're with you, and you're going to make it. You're going to stand up to this, and it's going to be amazing how the story of how you handled this helps other people get through hard things. Listen, the only way to make sense of senseless things, the only way I can get out of bed every day and know that my son's life and his death means something beyond just horrible tragedy is that I'm able to use it to help other people that His story is living on, and it's saving lives literally, and it's changing lives. And that's what you can do. You can stand up when senseless things happen, and you can make sense out of the rest of your life by learning how to overcome those things in a way that leaves you better off and more in tune with God's will for your life. It's not good to go through hard things, but it's good when God can redeem them and turn you into something better and someone stronger than you were before. So start facing in when life doesn't make sense, and it'll start making a little bit more sense as time goes on. But you need to start today. Hey, thanks for listening. The Dr. Lee Warren Podcast is brought to you by I've Seen the End of You, a neurosurgeon's look at faith, doubt, and the things we think we know. Available from Waterbrook, Penguin Random House, everywhere books are sold. Don't forget to support your local booksellers. Hey, subscribe to the show, please, so you get automatically every episode. And please share, rate, and review my show because that's how more people find out about it. If you haven't read I've Seen the Interview yet, please go to your local bookseller, go to Amazon, order it online downloaded the audio version i recorded myself i think you need to read this book and i'm not just saying that because i wrote it i'm saying it because i think it's helping it is helping people all over the world my emails are every week we're learning more and more about how this book is affecting people so if you need a dose of hope Go grab I've Seen the End of You. Go to my website, wleewarrenmd.com, for more information about my letter, this show, my books, and more. And the theme music for the show is Blue Highway by Poddington Bear, available for free via freemusicarchive.org. Remember, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and you have to start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. God bless you, and have a great day.